Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Pelicans fans, this is Preston Ellis, host of the Bird Calls podcast, the pod dedicated to SB Nation's own thebirdrice.com and home to the very best coverage on the New Orleans Pelicans. We're going to talk Solomon Hill with our buddies Travis Tate and Trevor Ritchie, but first, I want to just take a moment of your time. Tomorrow will be the 12th year since Hurricane Katrina washed over New Orleans, and and nobody will soon forget the devastation. The the pictures of our of our beloved home was was a nightmare. I'll never forget. I'm, I'll never forget driving down the coast of uh, Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, past my my aunt's house and past Christiane. My family lost a portion of their homes in New Orleans by lost. I mean, I mean, crushed. Washed into Bayou St. John near City Park. But but what we also remember after all this is the outpouring. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404 of love men and women on their boats my dad my uncle specifically college students spending their holidays rebuilding homes friends and loved ones taking each other in including my friends uh during uh during thanksgiving when my family was was forced to live in our cousin's home in houston and and then we had these like jubilant moments uh, i cried when the superdome opened again for the first time to to green day and you two in 2006 and screamed louder than I've ever screamed when Steve Gleason blocked that punt uh, that today bears a statue right outside the newly refurbished dome. But the reason I'm bringing all this up is not to recall a horrific event in our memories, but it's it's to bring up the devastation that's now reached our neighbors in East Texas. There's there's no signs of the water dissipating anytime soon. In fact, forecasters are predicting even more rain is on the way. The rivers won't begin subsiding until later this week, and Tropical Storm Harvey has already driven 30,000 people into shelters and 450,000 to disaster assistance. Now, the reason I'm hijacking your Pelicans podcast is just to give you the opportunity. You don't have to watch on helplessly as you did 12 years ago. Visit thebirdrights.com where David Fisher has links. He's done a wonderful job to where you can give and help right now. National groups like Disaster Relief, America Cares, and Red Cross are taking donations right now online. The links are all there. You can do it over your phone. If you prefer to give locally as I do, you can go to Central Texas Food Bank, South Texas Blood and Tissue, Texas Diaper Bank, and the San Antonio Food Bank, and many, many more. You will find them there. Thank you guys so much for hearing me out and giving me your time. And please, if you have a moment, if you have a dollar, nothing is too small. Go over there and help a neighbor out. But now we are back to simpler things like our beloved New Orleans Pelicans and the far less devastating injury to one of our starting five small forward defensive stalwart Solomon Hill. I don't know how that was for a transition, but hopefully you guys will help me make up for it. We are now welcoming onto the program Trevor Ritchie. What's up, Trev? What's up? Greetings. 
And salutations. And salutations. I like that. Travis Tate, what's up, man? Hello, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Trevor set the bar real high, and you just dipped right under it. I always do. I, I'm, a, I'm a big wet blanket. <laughs> He's a big picture guy. <laughs> he I can't wait for these uh, Skip Bayless takes. Now, you guys know that what was reported yesterday at 12.55 p.m. that Solo had undergone surgery to repair a torn hamstring and could miss up to six to eight months or pretty much uh, just the regular season. Eight months takes us to April. Hill underwent successful surgery by Dr. Gerhardt in Santa Monica, California. California and is expected to make a full recovery. According to Scott Kushner, the injury happened just during typical off-season workouts. Now, this news comes at a pretty difficult time for Pelicans fans who who are used to this kind of inconvenience. Two years ago, we started without Tyreek, Drew, Norris, Cole, and Coupon on opening day. Last year, we again began without Drew and Coupon, but this this is a little bit different. We're kind of at the dire straits right now, trying to re-sign DeMarcus Cousins, potentially in the last year of Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry. This experiment with Rajon Rondo, we kind of need everything to come together and to, to, to work out, and this is, this is not starting us out on the right foot. Now, last year, Solo averaged seven points and four rebounds. His, his most productive effort, uh, as we all remember, came in that 128-112 thumping of the Houston Rockets when he exploded to the tune of 37-6 and two steals. Uh, but now let's throw it over to Trevor. Trevor, what is your immediate reaction to this news? Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's fair to say this is the moment we were going to be waiting for throughout the season to happen. It just happened a lot sooner than we expected. Um, my first reaction was you can't win in the West without a perimeter defender. Uh, it's going to be extremely hard going into this first week of the schedule uh, with the, the first home, came, home game being against the Warriors, Kevin Durant, without Hill. Then the second home game being against the Cavaliers, LeBron James, without Hill. So it's going to be extremely difficult for them to transition. I think they have some t- time to prepare, but I don't, I don't know if it'll be enough. Yeah, Travis, tell us your reaction. Yeah, kind of along the same lines. I guess I, um, you know, at at this point, you just learn to never be surprised by anything. Um, To me, this is kind of reminiscent. I think this came around the same timing last season as the Chris Middleton injury for the Bucks, And they were, that was also, I believe, a quad. um, And they assumed that he was going to miss the entire year. And then he ended out, he did end out coming out and playing near the end of the year. I'm not sure exactly how many games he played, um, but he, he came back to the team right after Jabari Parker uh, tore his knee up again. So they, they sort of had a similar situation there, but it's just, uh, you know, it's just too bad. Um, he's still a relatively young guy. And so I, you know, you never want to see um, a young guy who's trying to prove himself lose, uh, lose any more time on the floor than he needs to. but. Um, it really gets to the lack of depth uh, that not only the Pelicans have at the wing, but really across the entire NBA and the free agent market, because I can tell you guys, and I'm sure you guys did the same thing. If you just Google NBA free agents, and then you look at like the three, the like the twos and threes and fours, I mean, there's just nothing there, you know, that you're really interested in. Obviously you're going to be picking a, picking a guy up off the scrap heap and um I know we'll get get into this later in terms of guys that we want to sign to replace him, but I mean, you know, I, I don't know what we can find. Not that not that he's anything incredible to have to replace, but you still need, you know, at least a warm body who can play minutes. 
Yeah, we're at replacement level at this point. Uh, Solomon Hill, for all the grief that we have given him uh, for his, uh, uh, I, I guess, deficiencies as a as a shooter and a scorer and an attacker, uh, we saw glimpses of it, like in the Rockets game, as I mentioned, a little bit in the latter half of the season, he got a bit more confident. And Jamel McMillan came on the program, actually, and talked about how important it was for Solomon Hill to take more of a, an aggressive type approach uh, offensively this upcoming offseason. But what he was brought in to do was to make us a top 10 defense. And that's precisely what he did uh, under Darren Ehrman's tutelage. And with the rest of the core of Anthony Davis uh, earning, I believe it was second uh, team defensive, uh, all NBA efforts. Uh, Del Demps and Alvin Gentry have praised him multiple times for his defense, uh, defensive efforts and specifically mentioned his work against top tier players like Kevin Durant, uh, LeBron and Kawhi, some guys that we're going to have to face early on, as you guys have mentioned. And uh, to to put it frankly, Alvin Gentry sounded pretty devastated by the loss, and his comments on Duncan Holder were were not so subtle to the guys who are presently on the team and uh, possibly stepping up into his shoes. He said, once again, we're in the situation where we really liked our team. We're ready to go. Solomon went through a, a year of learning the system and adjusting to it. He had a great, great uh, he emphasized that year defensively, and now they're talking about him being out somewhere in the neighborhood of six months or so. And I think we have some players that can fill in, but we really need to go out and find another guy of that size with a little versatility that can play some four or maybe even some two for us, depending on who we can get in those situations. But yeah, we're going to miss Solomon at the start. The only other small fours on the roster right now are Darius Miller and uh, Jalen Jones, uh, possibly Quincy Pondexter. Uh, Jalen Jones, of course, was signed on a two-way contract, as was Charles Cook uh, with Jordan Crawford. Uh, but let's let's just keep it in-house for now. The The Pels are in a bit of a, of a desperate spot, but uh, we did have a glimmer of hope the other day in response to a tweet calling Coupon's chances of appearing on opening day being slimmer than uh, McGregor winning the fight Saturday. Coupon responded, won a bet on that. And I remember the tweet and I retweeted it and he took it down a couple of hours later. I don't know why, because I was really excited when I read that, although we've seen this kind of thing from him before. He's been present at all the offseason workouts and by all accounts looks, looks good after responding to an infection in his knee in April. He's bounced back quickly. And uh, then, of course, like we mentioned, you've got the prodigal son, Darius Miller. And uh, Trevor, Gentry was was very clear he didn't want to rely on three-guard lineups, but but didn't rule them out completely as an option. Staying in-house, how are you fixing that three and backup four spot? Well, to what you said, a three-guard lineup is, is only a temporary solution. I don't think that's a, that's a solid offensive or defensive scheme. Uh, you obviously have to jump back into free agency. There's no way you can run that in the West against some of the threes that you're going to see. Uh, in-house, it's probably Etwan Moore or uh, Crawford. You just have to look to someone to get you through and buy you time until you can pick up someone else or get someone else into the offense and used to everything and in the atmosphere and the culture of what everybody wants to do. So it, it's tough. I mean, ironically, one of the Number one things that that we like about Solo is his durability. He played 80 games last season and, and, and a solid 80 games at that. So uh, it, it's going to be difficult. But I definitely agree with Gentry when he says we need to dive back into free agency. Yeah, Travis, um, Darius Miller is the one we're all hoping that will step in just because, like uh, you guys mentioned earlier, he's a warm body. We know he's going to be healthy and we know he's going to be ready to play. But it's just not very often that uh, second round players, you know, blossom into starting caliber small forwards and are able to capably defend on the wing. I think the guy we have to hope for can bounce back. And this is really a wing and a prayer is 
is Quincy Pondexter. Who who do you have filling into that three spot who is in-house at this moment? Yeah, and um, I think this is something that we've brought up before with Quincy. Um, you know, I appreciate the confidence from him on Twitter. I didn't see that tweet that you were talking about, So, but obviously you said he deleted it, but that's pretty cool that he's that confident that he's going to be um, back and ready to play. I mean, that would be fantastic. You know, if he's at 90% of the level that he was two years ago or something, hey, great. But as of right now, I would view him as found money in terms of like as a fan. I wouldn't want to plan on him coming out and starting, you know, the first 40 games or something and and playing in 65 or 75 games this year and, you know, giving you high level production for hopefully a playoff team in the NBA. Um, so I'm as of right now, I'm kind of like putting him off to the side and I'm saying, hey, if he can prove it in practice and if he can do everything he needs to do to actually play great for me, the guy is the guy that you mentioned. I think Darius Miller is the guy to fit in at the three. Um, I don't know why, but I guess I just have this confidence in a guy who has produced um, in Europe. And at least that's something because as of right now, like we don't really have another option there because of. I mean, Dante Cunningham isn't really a three anyway. And I think the same thing of like Etwan Moore, as much as I like Etwan Moore and, and Jordan Crawford even, um, I don't really view those guys as threes. I understand that you guys are talking about three guard lineups, but um, those those don't often, I mean, you just don't see that a whole lot in the NBA. And like we mentioned earlier, who who are you going to guard? Um, uh, you, or, you know, when you when you play against the best wings, or even the bigger twos uh, across the league. Um, I don't know if Etwan Moore or Drew can shift up to guard uh, those really good threes. So, I mean, again, they're just in a really tough spot. So, I, you know, I'm going to say Darius Miller, but it's not like I'm super confident about it. Trevor, be my uh, director and producer of TMZ really quickly, and let's mm-hmm. let's go a little bit deeper into that tweet. He said want to bet on that, and then he deleted it, as we've discussed. Now, do you see do you see that as uh, something that the that the Pelicans PR reached out and told him to take down, or do you think maybe like a team doctor or trainer said like, "Hey, we're not a hundred percent that you're going to be ready. Don't start telling people that." What What is your take on the fact that he deleted it soon after? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to make that bet, and he was like, "Man, I need to delete that tweet before this guy." <laughs> comes back and says, "Yeah, I'll take you up on that." But I don't know. It might be just something where he. You know, he's got to be getting a little aggravated with the entire situation. He wants to play ball. He wants to come back and he wants to do his job and have fun doing his job. So maybe he's aggravated that he hasn't been on the court in a while. So he said that and he realized that that might not be the greatest thing to do in public perception for himself and his attitude, as well as what if he what if he isn't back by game one and that tweet gets everyone's hopes up. So I think it's a combination of things. I don't think it's as serious as PR reaching out to him and saying delete it or a team doctor saying, hey, we don't know about that. I just think it was a personal thing. And uh, he decided to uh, change his perspective on that. Travis, one thing that we haven't really talked about uh, yet is the the trouble that we're facing at the four spot and really uh our our third big at this present moment uh Alexis Agensa is our rotational third guy and we'd like to hope that Czech Diallo can give us possibly like 15 to 20 minutes a game but after watching him in summer leagues offensively he's a juggernaut but defensively he lacks awareness he gets beaten consistently and I'm I'm not ready to give him those those big game minutes especially with the 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 12 game starting schedule that we 
covered that we're going to face early on. We were we were kind of hoping that Solomon could potentially at some point step into that four spot for just a few minutes of the game. Now that he's out, we're going to have to hope that somebody like Coupon or Darius Miller can can find that four spot. How how much of a blow is this not only to our three spot and our perimeter defense, but to our overall depth in our front court? Yeah, uh, it hurts. Um, I mean, that's a pretty obvious statement. Um, And I've said this before, you know, I'm still thinking that most of their best lineups are obviously going to be when they have both cousins and Davis out there. So that's going to be a lot of your minutes. And then obviously after that, if, if they want to throw, I mean, they still have to sign Dante Cunningham in order to play Dante Cunningham. So that has to happen. Um, I, you know, as much as I don't, as much as I'm sort of dreading who's going to start and who's going to back up at the three, um, those backup four minutes as of right now are even more up in the air. Um, I don't, you know, like you mentioned, I don't think that Diallo is probably worthy of playing all that much um, in, in those, in those minutes. So what I'm going to bring up, which I think I brought up on an earlier podcast with you guys was maybe because they're, you know, they're, the bulk of their minutes are going to be with both cousins and AD. They decide that they're going to maybe mess around with big lineups throughout uh, the 48 minutes. And that would mean playing like a Jinsa at the five and maybe sticking um, Davis, you know, leaving Davis at the four. And then in those minutes when Davis comes off the floor, maybe that's when you have cousins and like, a small, a small ball four, and then like your three guard lineup situation. Um, they have a lot of options. It's nice because of what, because of the skill set that Cousins has. He enables them to not just completely fall off a cliff, but they're still going to have a lot of trouble filling, filling those minutes at the three and four either way. Yeah, Darius Miller is the only guy, uh, you know, with the size to possibly move down to the to the four position. Uh, Trevor. At this point, we we might see a universe where DeMarcus Cousins and Alexis Agensa are paired on the court at the same time. How upsetting is that? It's not upsetting. It makes me want to scream both their names together. Boogie! <laughs> I just want to I just want to yell it. I, I don't know. I don't I don't see that as as that big of an issue. I think that was going to happen at times anyway. But uh I think I think my take out of all of this that's probably uh, higher on the list than anything else is Dell Demps and, and Alvin Gentry. Those seats are getting hot as soon as they they read that tweet at twelve fifty five and they felt the heat. Man, I mean this it, it, it's one of those things where you just uh, Dell Demps has to make this move, has to find a way to make a replacement, and if it doesn't work, that's on him. But at the same time, Dell Demps can look at Gentry and say, "Hey, you have two of the top fifteen players in the league." Yes, everything around them isn't perfect, but you still have to make the playoffs with that. So I think either way it goes, they're in trouble. All right, you guys must be getting bored with me. You're ready to get on to the to the trade market and free agency. We'll we'll get there. Just one more question. I'm going to throw it at Travis. We we've got Ian Clark now, and we don't really ha- have an idea of where to put him because if we put him into those guard lineups, you know, there's there's this mishmash of um, you know Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, Frank Jackson, Etwan Moore, and Jordan Crawford. Not a whole lot of room to play him. And uh, as far as everybody in New Orleans is concerned, he's 
He's not the best defender, but Steve Kerr did call him his favorite player to coach. Can we slide Ian Clark at six foot three to the three spot and continue Etuan's role as it was before? Oh, no, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he wants yeah. to get dunked on. Um, yeah, so I would say, I mean, in that case, assuming you're you're playing like let's say Rondo and um and him and him and more, I mean, in that case, I think you're kind of making more your designated three just because of his defense. Um, and, you know, tell me how you think that's going to go when he's guarding, you know, name the really good small forward. You know, there's a, there's a many of them. Like, can you picture Etwan Moore, uh, since I was talking about the Bucks earlier, can you imagine like a 6'3 Etwan Moore guarding a 6'11 Giannis Antetokounmpo? Like, that's a disaster. Um, so we've got, major again like we were saying i mean this this in, this injury to to solomon hill you know we shouldn't act like solomon hill is you know lebron james 2.0 but he at least filled a need um that we had there and now i mean we're just going to be trying stuff out you know if we're throwing each one more at the three for extended minutes that's going to be you know it's going to be bad yeah, one positive that we can take away from this is the positionless basketball that Darren Ehrman and Chris Finch have been preaching. Having the uh, the intelligence uh, upgrade of Rajon Rondo out there, you, you'd you have to hope that he becomes like a quarterback out on defense, uh, letting guys uh, know where to go. Drew Holiday has had successful on, on bigger wing players and even on some power forwards. So just hoping that the guys are capable of switching and uh, using their arms to, I don't know, get some deflections or something. But let's... Let's move on, Trevor. Uh, right now, we're we're in a bit of a tight spot. We're one million away from the hard cap and from the lottery tax, and uh, pretty much the only flexibility we have beyond stretching Ashik and Ajinsa is uh, cutting ties with Jordan Crawford. Uh, he's got a one point seven million dollar contract. Only two hundred fifty thousand of that has been guaranteed. He pushed his guarantee back to November 10th. It was previously August first, so you'd have to assume the Pelicans front office came to him and said hey, like, we can't set this in stone. Either we're going to cut you or we need you to push the date back. And, of course, uh, he acquiesced. Uh, what else, what other options did he have? Trevor, do you do you see a path where the Pelicans cut ties with Jordan Crawford to get that one and a half million and pair that with the one million they have remaining to go out and get a guy like Dante Cunningham? I do see that with the pos- as a possibility uh, once you add Ian Clark and Frank Jackson, who they obviously want to give some playing time to. Um, I do see that as a possibility. I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't like it, but depending, obviously depending on who they plan to replace uh, Solomon Hill with. But yes, it's it's definitely a possibility, especially if the situation was where they told him, hey, we're either going to just cut you or you have to uh, push that date back. So obviously he's willing to do what he can to stay on the team and do what he can to uh, aid the team in finding a replacement. So to your to your question, yes, I see it as a possibility. No, I don't want it to happen, and I would like to keep him. When he came on last year, I was a little bit que- it was a little bit questionable. I didn't know what to think, and uh, I think he earned his spot. So I, I don't want to give him away that quick. Travis, how much do you like Jordan Crawford? Um, I like him just okay. I think he's a good value, and you know, I don't think you're saving enough money by cutting ties with him. I understand that that's an option, but to me, um, you know, we're we're in a we were already sort of desperate in terms of like needing to clear some money. 
And I think that the Ashik, um, either just outright buyout or the stretch with him was a totally legitimate option. And now with this injury, I think that really is an idea that they should, you know, consider and probably do, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a great ride, Omer, you know, like, thanks for all your service. And we're really sad that you got sick from, from being in Mexico and, you know, it's too bad and you've had some injuries and sort of your, your game isn't really aging very well for the way that the NBA is going, but it's time for, it's time for the Pelicans to move on and they've got to be able to open up more space than just, you know, that couple million that you're talking about when you get rid of a guy like Jordan Crawford. Um, you know, that I, I was rather... the most condescending like thank you I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's a good call, Trevor. Sorry, Omer. I, you know, I really liked Omer Ashik, uh, and I didn't even mind when they re-signed him that that time because I didn't realize what this was going to turn into. Uh, so yeah, that was a little condescending. Sorry about you that. Know, you know what he doesn't get, Travis? We're we're big picture guys. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I have the full view of the Pelicans future in mind and, and Omer Ashik, you know, he, he just wants to get paid for his, uh, for the contract that he signed and he deserves when, to, that's fine. You get, when you get sick in Mexico though, I mean, big picture. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Where, where are you guys going with this? Uh, I would like to step in and defend Jordan Crawford. I'm a big Jordan Crawford fan and shout out to Mia Fields. Uh, his press representative, I had the the privilege of interviewing them both when I was with Pelican Debrief. But even before then, I was a big fan of his game. Uh, it's really exciting watching him offensively. Defensively, he's not as a disaster. As a one-on-one defender, of course, he's a disaster. But he has good awareness. He knows where to go. He's a veteran. He's, he's not a dumb player. And offensively, we saw some straight-up passing prowess from him. I remember watching him lob the ball up to Anthony Davis his first game at Utah uh, against Utah and watching Anthony just slam it home and being like, where has that been? What is what is Drew Holiday doing in the backcourt? Not just throwing it up at the rim every single time and hoping that Anthony Davis can come down with it. And, and he was so free and so confident with the ball. It just seemed like the second that he got on the court, he was ready to play. And, you know, the Pelicans need that from time to time. They need that, uh, quote, irrational confidence guy as Bill Simmons likes to call them, who just goes in the court, isn't afraid of anything, just puts the ball up. And hey, last year, the ball went in most of the time. I think he shot somewhere around 43.9% from three, if my memory serves me. But uh, obviously, those numbers won't stay up at that at that pedigree, but uh, really shot lights out. And I'm surprised that you guys aren't, uh, well, I should say Travis. Trevor was a little bit be- uh, higher <laughs> on the bandwagon. But let's, let's talk some possibilities, guys. We're going to go to the stretch uh, provision. Um, we're going to have a podcast with Ollie in a few days because the the deadline for that is coming up real quick and here are the two options of course before we talk uh, trade possibilities if we stretch omar ashik we we have him on the books for seven years at 3.5 million per year it saves us 6.5 million this year so you know we could p- potentially trade for somebody like Amon shumpert or um, uh, danny green uh someone along those lines or um uh, can't remember the the other guy's name that I was thinking of. Uh, New York Knicks uh, backup. Anyway, uh, it's it's a lot more money than we need, and I would prefer to hold that one out. If we stretch Agensa, we save a little more, over three million this year, but then we're on the books for the next five years with two million uh, in dead money. We do have two point two million of our mid level exception 
our full 3.3 of our biannual. And we also have our, our uh, uh, trade chips of 2 million and 3.5 to get a replacement. But the challenge is we're less than 1 million under the tax and we need to get under it. You guys, tell, tell me your views on the stretch pr- provision and if you feel like utilizing it this year. Let's start with Trevor. Yeah, I think you should. I think if um, if they feel their back is against the wall and, and they they need to get this done as soon as possible, I think that's the route to go. Like you said, you can open up that uh, that trade route to a little wider than uh, you would be able to as of right now. I think um, at, on their desk when Dell Demp sit down sits down, he has to say, "I have to do whatever it takes to set up this team to make the playoffs." It's on his job. It's on Gentry's job. And that's what this season is about to them, and that's what the season should be about for the players. So whatever they can do to get the best replacement for Solomon Hill, I think I think stretching out Osik's contract is the uh, the best route to go right now. Travis, where do you stand as far as uh, stretching versus uh, trading? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I don't know if anybody's going to want Osik at this point. Uh, so no. it, it seems to me that you're going to have to stretch him, and then. Maybe in addition to that, you trade Agenza as well. Um, but I, I, I do think the – so you always have to weigh those, you know, big picture like we were talking about. You want to weigh, you know, sort of the future of the organization, uh, as you mentioned, seven years from now with Ashik versus the dead money that he represents this year. And to me, the importance of this particular year – is more important than what might be going on seven years from now. Um, this year, they have to prove, like we've talked about, you know, like every Pelicans fan has talked about, like we have to prove that we can actually become a winning team, that, you know, we're going to be a team that, or an organization that DeMarcus Cousins wants to play for, even regardless of who the general manager and or coach might be. If you've got the players, that makes all the difference in the world. So if you've got cousins and you've got Davis and they feel good and they come out this year and they win 50 games because you've got a competent, you know, uh, rotation at the three and the four, um, that to me is much more valuable than, well, let's say, you know, we don't want to be spending $3 million a year um, seven years from now. Cause I mean, in seven years, like they might not, you know, they might not have Anthony Davis. They could be totally tanking in seven years. Um, they might not have DeMarcus Cousins. They might, you don't know who they're going to have. Nobody's under contract for that long anymore. So I would place the importance, um, uh, you know, all of the importance on this year. Like they really need to win this year. And so I would do whatever it takes to open up, open up as much money for this particular year now. I, I can't uh, agree on Omar Ashik, uh, Ashik. God, I'll never pronounce that correctly. Uh, and here's the reason why. One is the the heavy cap hit that we would take for the next seven years. And two, and this is the more central topic for me, is uh, the, the future of Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry is tied into this transaction. We all know it. We all know how important this season is from a wins and losses perspective. And if you give them the opportunity to stretch Omer now, and let's say we head into February at, I don't know, you know, 21 and 25 or something like that. And it's just at that point where they have to pull the plug on Demps and say, hey, we're not going to let you trade DeMarcus Cousins and tear all this down because you're going to be out the door anyway. Well, you've already got that three and a half million on the books for the seven, the next seven year. And there's nothing we can do. Basically, what I'm saying is Dell Demps has put us in this position for better or for worse. 
And uh, we're at the point now where we have to start having the conversation. How much can he take away from our long-term uh, plans at this point? If he starts, you know, packaging a Jensen, a first round pick to, to get somebody like an Amon Shumpert or something, uh, it's it's up to it's up to us, I guess, or Mickey Loomis to step in and say, you know what, you've gone too far. We gave you all the flexibility we could. We gave you a one hundred nineteen million dollar payroll. We've tied up all this money in Drew Holiday. At what point is it enough for you to put a winning team together? Uh, so I, I am on board on a Jensa because you know that's a paltry two million dollars per year. We save three million, which is more than enough to you know get the scraps of whatever free agency is. And and let's dive right on into that because uh. The pickings are slim, so it'll probably be a quick conversation. Uh, the, the the headliner of the group is probably Shabazz Muhammad, you know, Dante Cunningham, Matt Barnes, uh, Gerald Green. I'm really upset at this point that we, we didn't take a flyer out on KJ McDaniels or Luke Bamute. Uh, let's go back. You know what? Let's start with Travis this time. Travis, is there anybody out on the market who strikes your fancy? Yeah, Um there's one guy, but I don't know if he's available. I just read a story on the, um, I think it's called uh, Shades of Blue, the SB Nation site for the Memphis Grizzlies. That would be Jamichael Green. Um, he's more of a four, but I would, I would be comfortable playing him uh, a lot of minutes at the three. Again, it's just another situation where you kind of need a body, so you're not going to find like this perfect. You know, you're not going to find a LeBron James. You're not going to find a Kevin Durant. So you're going to you're going to kind of deal with whatever you get. But apparently he was he was offered like there's a story up on their site like today, like six hours ago. Apparently he was offered a little bit more than the qualifying offer. So he might not be as available as I would like him to be, um, especially considering we don't have any money to to throw at anybody. Um, you mentioned a lot of good names. Another guy I'd mention is a former Hornet. Uh, New Orleans Hornet, I think. He may have been a Pelican. I think he was only a Hornet, actually. Uh, Anthony Morrow is out there. I've always had a big crush on him. I like his uh, three-point shooting. Uh, He's not very quick, generally, um, and isn't so good of a playmaker and and isn't really that good of a a defender either. I like the Matt Barnes one just because... Stop. Stop. <laughs> okay, I don't like Matt Barnes as a person. A He's can can like, you imagine a locker room where Rondo, Matt Barnes, oh, and Boogie are, oh. are doing whatever they do, and Anthony Davis is just sitting in the corner wanting to cry? Here's the like, only reason I even bring up Matt Barnes. He is a jerk, uh, but – He's played for like practically every team in the NBA, and I think we're one of the only teams that he hasn't played for. Oh, okay. Just get his jersey collection up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's the only reason for that. I do want to acknowledge I don't like him. You know, Trevor, before I let you dive on in, uh, when he mentioned Jamichael Green, by the way, the qualifying offer for Jamichael Green is $1.2 By all accounts, there's no way that the Pelicans – uh, can can hit that number. But when you brought that name up, it reminded me of Tony Allen. Um, you know, he's he's a much older player, but, uh, you know, still uh, an admirable defensive player, much in the same vein as Solomon Hill. That's all we would really need from him just to take those minutes and potentially shut down some wings. Um, also, we have another restricted free agency, uh, free agent on the market, Nikola Miritich. Um, Trevor, get on in there. Who are you interested in? Well, if you would have just let me speak, uh, I would have said those two things. But, um, 
No, I I think I think the most attractive move and, and personally my favorite is Tony Allen. Uh, obviously, it's a significant drop off when it comes to three point shooting uh, compared to Solomon Hill, but he he's fairly durable in his old age. He gives you a little more points per game, around the same assists. Um, not I'm not sure about the rebounding numbers, but you have Tony Allen. If you stretch the contract, let me just throw that out there since I'm a big picture guy and not a math guy. Uh, if you stretch the contract out and have some extra room and then the possibility of a trade, is it a stretch to go after Kent Bazemore? And would that be a solid solution to our problem? Uh, we could go after Kent Bazemore. The problem would be the matching salaries. Uh, we would have to throw something. I believe he makes somewhere in line of $17 million a year. So we would have to throw something on the vein of Etwan Moore, Alexis Agensa, and uh, possibly Coupon or uh, some some variation of it. it. It would be a lot of players, so it would be pretty much that would be a stretch. Our, our depth. Uh, the other possibility is, you know, throwing uh, Ashik a Coupon, but then we'd have to probably give two first-round picks to make that math work. Um, but it's 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 a risk. Uh, it's in, and it's a lot of money to match the salary. But in order to offload our salary, we would just have to give up possibly too much. I think we need. To, I mean, I don't. I don't disagree with the idea of stretching Omer's contract, but you're going and you said, how much does it take until we tell Dell Demps you had too much flexibility? You're giving too much of our long term future away. But I mean, if we stretch Omer out to seven years, we're going to have to offload him at some point and it's going to take a pick or two or three to get rid of him. So either way it goes, I think that's going to have to happen if we ever want him off of the books. But I was just throwing that out there. I like uh, Shabazz Muhammad. A report came out earlier today that the Timberwolves are very interested in bringing him back. So I don't know how how long he will stay on the market. But yeah, my guy is Tony Allen. I don't Dante's got to be in the back of everyone's heads and, and should be. But uh, if if I had to choose and I could just put a player on the team, it would be Tony Allen. All right, Travis, we have to dive into our, our trade exceptions. That's uh, one of the better ways to, to, to bring in talent, and we would have to offload some, some resources in order to make it work. But we've got some guys. Uh, Noah Vonley is not being utilized properly in uh, Portland now due to the fact that they've added uh, Nurkic and their, their first-round pick, I want to say. God, I, I keep wanting to say Jason Collins, uh, something like that, a first-round pick. Zach Collins. Zach Collins, he was the 10th overall selection. I remember they traded their 15th. Gonzaga. Yeah, 20th pick to get him. He's uh, out there. TJ Warren is out there. Even somebody like Jared Dudley is out there. And uh, sending somebody like Etwan Moore, and uh, I, don't, I don't know, we'd have to make the salaries match because we're so close against the hard cap. We're only $1 million away, and I believe he's making $10 million for the next two years. Uh, you, you'd have to believe that the Suns are willing to get rid of somebody like Jared Dudley or uh, the – also, the Lakers are desperate to get rid of Luol Deng. We actually might be able to get some money back in that deal if we, you know, possibly gave them Ashik and uh, and Coupon or something. Uh, they they might fill us with the remaining two or three years of uh, his horrible contract. But, hey, he can play and he can fit in at those positions. Uh, he's a warm body, as we like to say. Uh, what, what trade prospects out there do you have your eye on? Yeah, so... Those are all good names, um, and they're probably much more realistic than the list that I just made up. I just kind of went through some guys who are going to be free agents after this coming season and some names who popped out who might be relatively affordable and, you know, it depends on kind of how well their season goes. 
um, would be a guy like Trevor Booker. Like, I don't know what's going on in Brooklyn, obviously. I mean, it's pretty bad there, and they're going to be bad again. Obviously, I know they're trying to win games this year, supposedly, but, I mean, they've been trying to win games for the last three years, and they've won, like, a total of 12 games or something. So um, it makes me wonder uh, if they're already going to be willing to give up on somebody like like a Trevor Booker. Um, another guy, what about, like, a Wayne Ellington is in Miami? He's another wing who can make a lot of threes. He's another guy who's going to be a free agent after this year. Um, and then this is a name who seemingly every team kind of covets in one way or another is Will Barton in Denver. Uh, you know, what if Denver isn't as good as I think they're going to be? I I know you guys remember, certainly, that I have them as the fifth best team in the West as of right now. Um, but what if they suck at the beginning of the year? and they're looking to offload some people. Um, is Will Barton gettable? You know, who knows? Uh, Will Barton is somebody that I've liked for a long time. The The problem is he's another one of those guys who's uh, a Jordan Crawford type. He's an electric scorer, uh, and defensively he kind of fits in the same vein as Jordan Crawford and Ian Clark. Uh, it seems what Alvin Gentry really wants at the three position is a defender, somebody in the vein of uh, obviously Solomon Hill or Rondé Hollis Jefferson. He's not even uh, really looking for for offense there, just somebody who can slow down the Kawhi Leonard's and the LeBron James of the world. I remember when we played the Spurs, uh, Solomon Hill did a pretty outstanding job against Kawhi Leonard, and uh, Kawhi Leonard is such an electric two-way player that he ended up taking over the game defensively and had a couple of uh, late-game steals. Um, uh, on Drew Holiday and and just took it across the court and beat us that way. He uh, he had to play two way basketball because uh, Solomon Hill did such a good job on him defensively, and that that brings me uh, back to Dante Cunningham who played so well against LeBron in that game where D- Terrence Jones famously exploded for for thirty six points. Uh, but let's go over to Trevor. I don't think we uh, talk trade candidates with you, Trevor. Do you have your eye on anybody? Well. I really want Kent Bays more, but um, no, I think some of the guys that uh, that Travis said would work. I think it's a it's a very thin market, and I agree with you, Preston. I think some of the guys that Travis named are are along the lines of of the Jordan Crawfords, and I think uh, any move that we make has to be a three and D player. I'm sure that's all Gentry is looking for is a guy that can defend uh, the wing on one end and just you know knock down threes on the other so uh it's i don't think it's really a market right now unless we cover it in-house or we re-sign dante that that it's it can be narrowed down right now there's just so many possibilities because the market is so thin we're all reaching for solutions and it's just not possible right now now uh obviously we are super fans we are not professionals here so i am polling the audience uh please don't crucify me for this but i don't know the rules uh as it pertains to a player being traded how soon before they can be traded again obviously we don't want damari carroll's uh, numbers on our books going forward but he is somebody that uh was given a first round pick to offload and at this moment he's somebody the pelicans uh sure could use uh especially if they allowed us to to ship off somebody like an Omar Ashik and whatever salary cap powder needed to go into that trade. And uh, I'd be happy to unload a couple of second round picks, but um, gosh, I, I think we covered as best we can. Uh, we're just kind of in a wait and see mode. Obviously Dell Demps is going to pull the trigger on something and he's going to have to do it very quickly. Cause like you guys said, there's just not too much available. And these guys, Matt Barnes, Shabazz, Muhammad, Gerald Green's, uh, 
somebody's going to pick these players up as, as tragic as it is, or even worse, they're going to head over to China with uh, Terrence Jones and um, Donatas Matiunas. So the, the window of opportunity is closing and we don't have much time. Uh, Trevor, let's, let's get a parting shot in classic ESPN form. What is your prediction for what's going to happen in this saga? Um, I, I think we find a solid replacement. I don't I don't think that uh, Solomon Hill kills us, and I don't think that it's a good enough excuse for anyone, including the fans or the front office or the players, to say, "Oh, we lost Hill, so that's you know that's why we didn't make the playoffs. That's why we didn't win 45 games this season." So I don't. Maybe to them it's devastating, and and maybe they're scrambling to find a replacement. But I think that obviously they will make a move for public perception for themselves for the coaching staff. They have to, but I don't think it's a move that says this made or made or broke our season. Travis, how how important do you think this replacement player is? Do you think this replacement player is going to, is going to immediately start, or do you think that Alvin Gentry is just looking for somebody who can spell minutes at those two positions and is confident going into the regular season with Darius Miller and Coupon there? Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, I'm. I guess at this point, I'm thinking that they're going to go in-house in terms of, you know, if you're to ask me, like, who starts the first scrimmage of of a training camp, like, with the first team? Like, it's probably somebody in-house. Um, and then, you know, maybe as the season develops and teams who think they're going to be good end out being bad, um, and maybe they they can accept some really bad contracts, maybe we're able to offload Ashik and or Ajinsa onto them. Um, but my my gut tells me that they're gonna they're gonna want to stick uh Darius Miller with all the minutes that he can handle as of right now. And um I think that he'll I think that he'll be okay. It's a golden <laughs> opportunity to be sure. Uh this is this is the yeah. opportunity that every young NBA player, especially somebody like Jordan Crawford or Darius Miller, who were forged to go overseas and then got the opportunity to come back. This is this is the moment they wait for. So uh, we've just got to hope that the the young man from Kentucky can can step into uh, his other Kentucky brotherhood right into the limelight alongside uh, Rajon Rondo and Demarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis, and uh, revitalize his career and and find his way into a starting small forward form. That's really our best hope as it stays at this moment. Uh, let's let's throw it back to a prediction. Actually, I'll ask Travis this time. Do you think Dell Demps parts with a first round pick before all-star break? Yes. What about you, Trevor? Yes. Uh, all right. All right. Let's uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much to Trevor Ritchie and Travis Tate. Uh, such a, it's such okay. a- that first round pick. He'll, he'll probably end out sucking anyway. Like we, we don't want that first round pick. Yeah. I mean, we're big picture guys, so we don't care. Oh my goodness. Uh, Give us give us one big take for the next couple of weeks. We've we've got some training camp bodies like Jalen Jones, Charles Cook, uh, some some guys who are fighting for that remaining roster spot. If we're staying in house and you had to pick somebody to earn that roster spot, do you do you have a preference over Charles Cook or Jalen Jones? Let's throw it to Travis. No, no, I don't know anything about those guys, honestly. So no preference either way. I like Jalen Jones. I like his name. All right. Good enough for me. Uh, that's again, that's all the time we have. Thank you guys so much again for rolling with the punches. Uh, a lot of you listeners probably can assume that some of these questions are just coming off the cuff. It's whatever I can think of in the moment. And these guys do a wonderful job of taking it and rolling with the punches. So thank you to you guys. Again, you can follow these two guys at Trabeta and at Richie. Uh, oh my God. Help me out, Trevor. 
Richie TMR. There it is. Thank you so much. You guys can follow them there. Uh, these guys tweet regularly, so make sure you hop on over there on thebirdrights.com. Uh, David Fisher has a, a fun new article. DeMarcus Cousins is the highest rated center on NBA 2K. How about that? That's pretty cool. Uh, so somebody over at NBA 2K thinks that DeMarcus Cousins is going to have a promising uh, season, potentially get that all NBA nod uh, that we're hoping he'll get, maybe even on the first team. Who knows? Uh, again, you guys can give to the victims of Hurricane Harvey. Make sure you go over to birdrights.com and click on uh, SB Nation's article that David Fisher posted earlier. Thanks for all the hard work to our two bosses, Ali and David. And uh, make sure that you subscribe, you retweet, you like all our stuff. If you have any questions, be sure to send them to at Preston Ellis or PrestonEllis at gmail.com. That's my personal email. How about that? If if you're you know uh, still listening, uh, make sure you send those questions over there and we'll get them up uh, by the next day with a, uh, maybe one of these knuckleheads. But for now, I've been Preston Ellis. You're listening to the Bird Calls podcast. Trevor, say goodbye. Goodbye. Travis, you got anything for him? Let's go, Pels. Yeah, there's my guy. All right, see you guys soon. Don't miss Old Navy's Saturday Steal. This Saturday, all jeans are on sale for 50% off. Plus, get $3 kids deals like graphic tees and tanks and $7 girls' dresses. Saturday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 8-3 excludes in-store clearance. Select styles on kids' deals and girls' dresses. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.